The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is... Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 24, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We'll put the full video up on our YouTube, Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available as an audio podcast as well. Search Liberty Blue on your favorite podcast platform, and it should be there. Give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show more than you think it does, and we really appreciate it. At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, and that is Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are our personal handles to follow as well. Nick, the Rangers are kind of not very good. They're not playing like a good team, no. It, that That is what the evidence would say. And you know me, Andrew. I'm a big evidence guy, a logic guy. I, I like I like things I can visualize, I can understand. I'm not a big word-of-mouth anecdotal evidence person because everybody watches hockey drastically different from each other. And it's why it's really important that, aside from doing all of the external stuff and the lead-up to doing the show every week, it is important that we do go back and watch the games and watch highlights and know what's going on. And we were talking about it before we went live, and everything about the way this team has played with leads in the third period went on to tell me that as soon as Edmonton scored that second goal, I didn't have a particularly good feeling. And I was just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then the other shoe dropped and we're back to square one, basically where, yeah, they managed to get a nice win against the Kings during the week. They played awful against the ducks. And then Saturday against the Oilers, they played a good two periods right now. The biggest thing is this team is maddeningly inconsistent in, Every facet of the game in terms of effort, in terms of process, in terms of results, you have no idea what you are going to get on a daily basis with this group. And that's why I think everybody is losing their minds right now. Well, they also, on top of that, whenever they give up a goal, Gerard Gallat's solution, everything is to shuffle the lines is to just put everybody in a blender and say, you go out there now. You let's see what you can do. And it's a whole lot of nothing because these three in any solution in any particular configuration haven't played a lot together so like if you put just as an example like vc with sammy blay and like zabin like zabinajad i don't know just to making things up like okay you can put these three out there to to mix up the lines but like what is that going to accomplish like, i don't like at, at a certain point if you're the head coach of a team and your solution to the other team being better than you at a certain at a certain period is let me just shuffle the lines and see what happens. That's not the solution. That's a poor solution, and you have to find something else if you're Gerard Gallant. Because at a certain point, like you can shuffle the line combinations all you want, but like if the other team is destroying you because they are outplaying your guys, that's a timeout. Call call a timeout. Like against the Oilers, they scored one. Okay. All right. Fine. No big deal. Rangers are up three to one. Oilers oh, score again. It's three to two. Okay. Rangers still have the time lead. out. Time out. I need the Mike Breen. Call a timeout. Oh, I need the dude, Mike Breen. Bang three. Coaches. And Miami's gonna call timeout. To oh think my dude. Over. Like certain coaches in the league use the timeout the way they're supposed to be used. Gerard Gallant, for whatever reason, holds on to his timeouts like they are pure gold and he can sell them on the market for a lot of money. Like, I don't understand what's going on with Gerard Gallant and his inability to call timeouts, but like your team is getting dumpstered in the third period against the Oilers. Like Evan Bouchard, two quick goals. Like the, the Oilers are coming back in this game. They're one shot from, 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 from tying it. And Gerard Gallant, instead of calling the timeout and screaming at his players to get their heads back in the game, just sits back, does nothing, watches his team lose the lead totally, 
Oilers tied the game, still doesn't call a timeout. And then with two minutes left, I think it was Lafreniere, he took a stupid penalty, a really a really dumb penalty. And the, uh, the, the Oilers being the Oilers who absolutely rely on McDavid and, and Dreisaitl to do everything. When the game is tied, the two guys that need to step up, they stepped up for Edmonton, they got the job done. Like, I don't know what Gerard, like, does he think that he can use this timeout from the Oilers game tonight? Like, I don't like at a certain point, use your, use your freaking timeout. Just use it, man. And this is something we were talking about before we started recording, because there is more than enough talent on this team to be fine. I don't think the team as it's currently constituted is a bona fide Stanley cup contender. I don't think they can hang with the elite of the elite, but this roster, there's not enough talent to be an average to slightly above average team. When everybody is playing well, when you have talent that is not playing up to its ability, that is a reflection of confidence of leadership of the intangible stuff that we spent an entire summer listening to the Rangers and everybody who covers the Rangers say, this is fine. Now this group, they went to the playoffs the one time, that solved all their problems. They know what to do now. They have all these experiences in difficult situations. And the thing that keeps coming back to me was when we had Sam Rosen on before the season to talk about what we expected from the Rangers. And he said, everybody came into training camp with their chests a little bit puffed out. Like we expect to make the playoffs. That's our expectation. They came in seeming like they were entitled to make the playoffs where they're just kind of waiting for every game to come to them for the good things to happen because they made the playoffs last year as opposed to trying to make the playoffs this year. And I think that speaks to just a a weird energy around the team because it's unfair to put it all on just the leadership, all of it on the coach, but these are all contributing factors. It's not any one person's fault the Rangers are not playing particularly well right now. It's a bunch of things putting together and because it's four or five factors combined that's why it feels like things are snowballing even though we're only like 20 games into the season by all intents and purposes they're one point out of a playoff spot and there's four and a half months to go and there's three and a half months till the trade deadline there is plenty of time for everything to get righted but they're just there's no one who's kind of putting their hands on the stick and saying i got this i can we can settle this down right now every single game just seems extremely tumultuous there's not a lot of consistency and one bad play in a game can swing these games i mean that's what happened the bouchard first bouchard goal like you said fine it's only one goal there's plenty of time to get this right and then nothing happened they just did not have the confidence to follow up and finish that game off and and that this is a great point that you bring up the 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 fact that the Rangers like made the conference finals even though no one believed they would they got lucky with Pittsburgh and they just ultimately dumpstered Carolina in Game Seven to make this happen but like they feel like oh well just because we made the conference finals and we are the same team quote very very air quotes on the same team like. We we're fine. We could just play the exact same way. the The goals will come, the wins will come, and we'll do the same thing. Well, like I don't know if you know this, Nick, but hockey is a weird, stupid, silly sport where like things don't go your way just because you think it can. You have to manifest these things. You have to play a certain way in order to win the game that you are currently playing and accumulate enough points to make the playoffs. And then maybe, maybe then you can talk, you can think in your head like, okay, well, you know, conference finals last year. Now we're in the playoffs again. Let's repeat. Let's do all these things. Like then step-by-step process. Maybe we, maybe we can get there. But right now, like, they're not even a playoff spot. Like I understand it's one point. It's November. We we got a lot of time. You take a look at their schedule in December, and it is brutal. Which yeah. is why we've been talking for weeks and weeks about how important it is for the Rangers right now to beat up bad teams, to win as many points, to win as many games as they can now, to to bank as many points as they possibly can so that when they get to the tougher part of their schedule and they lose a game, it's okay. But they didn't do that, and now they have a really tough schedule coming up in December. Where you got the likes, you got Tampa Bay, you got Washington, Toronto, the Islanders, Pittsburgh. Like you got, there's you got uh, uh, Vegas and Colorado and New Jersey. Like you got so many playoff teams that you have to play in December. Like where are the points going to come from? If you can't beat the bad teams, how are you going to beat the good teams? Yeah. It's a great question. So let me ask you this, because I think we can frame most of this conversation around this. 
What do you think the internal expectation for this team was coming into this season? Uh, just to make the playoffs, win a couple rounds? Do you think they actually thought they were a Stanley Cup contender? Because I think that's where we can frame this conversation around. I don't think they thought they were going to win the Cup. Like there, okay. You would have to be crazy to look at the roster that they came in with and say, yeah, we're fine. Like this is this is the best team in the league and no one can stop us. I feel like that wasn't the thought process. I do definitely feel like the making the playoffs was the worst case scenario for them. Like that was their bar is to make the playoffs and then lose in the first round. I, I don't think not making the playoffs was even in on their radar. Like I, I truly think that like bare minimum, the goal is to at least make it to the first round of the playoffs. And right now, like they're not playing that they deserve to be there right now. The Rangers do not deserve to be in a playoff spot. They're not one point out, whatever it's November, but like right now, if, if the, if the season ended right now and the Rangers had one more point, they made the playoffs. Like they, they don't, they, they don't deserve to be there. They are playing like they do not care about what's going to happen in April. Like it, it's they're they're very discombobulated. They they they're not they're not confident at all. A lot of their a lot of the top six guys, and we've talked about this for weeks and weeks now. Like if they're not scoring the power play, they are nowhere to be found. The bottom six is finally starting to contribute. Like you have Julian Gauthier scoring. You have Brain Schneider all of a sudden sniper uh, out there on the blue line. He's scoring a couple of goals. Like you, you have secondary scoring and yet the the top guys if they're not on the power play passing it to each other 17 times to get to get one shot off they are doing absolutely nothing and that is one of the most frustrating things about this team is that like you have Zabinijad and Kreider and and Panarin all guys that skate really well that are powerful with the puck they're always dangerous and yet they're passing it to each other nine times trying to find this perfect play that that doesn't exist and other teams can read because they do it every single game like eventually just shoot the puck man they're not doing any of that they're looking for the the pretty play oh i'm so unselfish i'm trying to pass the puck to you no 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 you take it oh no 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 i insist you take it and by that time the puck's already other on the ice like what are we doing shoot the puck so in this, in the context of that conversation, I ask you that because the way this roster was constructed, there wasn't a lot of room. There weren't any prospects that they could break in case of emergency. And that's why I think you saw a lot of the Gerard Gallant discourse over the weekend. I mean, he doesn't help himself with the quotes he gives where he's very like, either outright like disassociating from reality like saying things like i like our lineup i think we're playing okay about a team that lost to the ducks on wednesday and then lost to the oilers on saturday i think that's a little bit disingenuous to say you can say that's coach speak that he's trying to put the onus on him and not the team but at the same time like you know they're professional athletes if you give it to them every now and then that's fine that's part of this job is being able to rein in your team when things aren't going well and i know it's not in his nature to be that everybody knows this is a player's coach this is not an x's and o's guy he's there to manage the personalities and get the best out of everybody and right now he's not doing that and some of this is you know it's really hard to say when the team's second defensive pair has played pretty bad. Uh, a lot of that is on Truba playing injured and the team's unwillingness to sit him. Again, we talked about this last week. If it's something structural where he's going to need surgery and not be able to play for an extended period of time, he's going to try and gut it out. Or if this is just a nagging thing that until he's going to try and play through it as long as he can, whatever. But if you're playing, you know, your second defensive pair between the even strength and special teams going to play close to 20 minutes a game, even more than that. That's about, you know, a third of the game. If you're playing with a compromised D pair, one third of the time of the game, you're behind, you're going to have a really tough time. And the third D pair hasn't been awful behind Truba and Miller, but they're not getting nearly as many minutes. And it's hard to win when your second D pair is that compromised. And when you're only really generating offense from two of your forward lines and the defense from the forwards hasn't been particularly good. And, I'm going to pull something up in a minute here to kind of visualize the ch when they made the line change a couple of weeks ago where they reconstituted the kid line and then brought Goudreau and VZ up to the top six. The results are not good. I, I, like this is clear as day. Like you can see the difference between having Goudreau and VZ in the top six versus having um, Kako and Lafreniere. I, it's just – it feels like there has to be a solution that they're not trying that goes beyond just – 
scratch changing who the 13th forward is and changing who the last defenseman is because it really doesn't seem like they're being that inventive. It really just seems like they're going to keep rolling this until it works. And there is no guarantee that it eventually works. Well, talk about this more when we get to the Oilers game but the thing about Jacob Trouba we talked about this before is like for, for first of all if you're injured don't play it's November and you're hurting the team more than you're helping by playing when you're injured also the the play and I tweeted about this when this happened as well like when it was a 3-2 game and Jacob Trouba has the puck on his stick in the defensive end and his team is changing lines there's one player, and I, I I didn't see who it was during, when when I was watching the game, but like there was one player on the Rangers that was on the on the left side of the ice. You could have where, where the 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 pass was clear that there was nobody there. Pass it. You could have passed it to that to that player, and then you could have just dumped it, done whatever, or like hold on to the puck for a second, let your teammates change, and then continue on. This man, this dude. This guy that's getting paid $8 million a year to play the game of hockey has the C on his on his sweater. My guy, instead of doing any of the smart things that you would think a top four defenseman in the NHL would be capable of doing, he passes the puck into the Rangers bench where nobody could touch the puck because then it'd be a penalty. And the Oilers were like, oh, great, free puck. And then they went in and they tied the game. Granted, that shot was a was a was something that Igor Shosturkin should have had, I, and I don't I don't want to be like Jacob Truba is the reason the Rangers lost that game because that's not what 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 this is all about. Shosturkin really should have made the save. That is a that is a, really is is not a great look on him. I mean, listen, like he's he's been he's been really good this year, but Shosturkin like you can't expect your goalie to be a nine forty goalie all year every year forever. That's just not realistic. Like. You have to put up the goals and provide the adequate defense, especially in a game that you're leading three three nothing in. But also, if it's three two, like, what are you doing, Jacob Truba? Like, what are you doing? You hold you you couldn't hold on to it. You couldn't pass it to not the Oilers. You pass it directly into the feet of every Rangers player that's getting a that's getting a change. You give the puck up and you couldn't you also then proceed to not defend the shot that ties the game eight million dollars for what so andrew the reason i asked you before if you what you thought their expectations were coming into the year were centered around that because everything they did this offseason was doubling down on the results of last season thinking all we need to do is get a little better at second line center we validate the leadership group that was already here in making Truba captain, and we think we're good. The young guys, they'll take the spots that Vetrano and Cop left, and we'll figure out what the bottom six as we go. We're fine. And that's clearly been the plan. There is no other solution. You can tell they were going to wait until the deadline to add one more forward or one more defenseman. Right now, I would argue they might need one more defenseman more than they need another forward just because Trube has been so bad. And you're one defensive injury away from Matthew Robertson playing. And Matthew Robertson, of course, has never played in the NHL. It's a lot to ask somebody to come into a playoff race out of the minors right out of the gate. And it's just, there's a lot of looking around. There's a lot of pointing. There's not a lot of people saying, eh, we can do better. We think we'll be okay. There's not a lot of, there's not anyone who's giving me confidence that things are going to change. Because Gallant is painfully stubborn. I, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about healthy scratching Kako in the playoffs last year against Tampa Bay to play... Exactly. What do you think you're going to get out of somebody who hasn't played the entire playoffs for, versus somebody who's been in the lineup? It's the same thing right now. Ryan Carpenter is a fringe NHL roster player. He's a 13th forward. He can start in your lineup in a pinch. But if he is playing on your fourth line consistently, you probably don't have a particularly good fourth line. You drafted Vitaly Krasov ninth overall. I understand this was another GM and another head of European scouting who made this selection. You need to play him so you can trade him. He has zero value right now sitting in a press box and not getting ice time. 
for Galan to insult everybody's intelligence and say, yeah, I like the kid, but I don't want to change the lineup. I think we're close. When the team has lost two of its last three, they blew a 3 nothing lead on Saturday. It's just insulting. That's why I get so frustrated and why I get so mad. That I, I understand the vast majority of people are just going to listen to what the coach says and say, okay, that's what the coach thinks. Okay. Come on. I, I understand there's a difference between being a fan and doing what we're doing here where we're kind of putting our brains on and thinking critically. But at some point, how do you not get frustrated when the team doesn't have answers to these very obvious problems? One of the things I want to add to this is what one of the players that Gerard Gallant refuses to bench is Tammy Blay. And he yes. had a decent game. A decent on game yeah. on, on Saturday. I, I'm taking nothing away from his play against the Oilers. He had an assist on one of the goals that, that, that ended up counting because there were about, what, I want to say 17 goals that, di- that didn't count for the Rangers. But, like, he had a decent game. But I want to say this again. My guy, Sammy Blay, has played 33 games as a member of the New York Rangers. He has how many goals, Nick? Uh, you're 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 doing you're doing the you know if if you're on video you can see it. But tell tell the people, Nick, how many goals does Sammy Blay have as a member of the New York Rangers? Zero point zero. Yeah. And and you refuse to sit that for your ninth overall your ninth overall pick. All right. Just you know, just just saying things for because I like saying things. I guess you know I'm not a I'm not a head coach in the NHL. What do I know? But maybe you know, maybe Kravtsov can score a goal every now and again. I, but again, I'm not a I'm not a head coach. What do I know? So, so before we move on to the next topic, because we have a few visuals that I want to explain something with about how they've deployed the lineup. Just pure logic here. You know Gaudreau is out of his depth in the top six. You know VZ's out of his depth in the top six. You have Vitaly Krasov, who hasn't made much of an impact when he's played. He has all of, I think, 30 NHL games between last year, this year, what, and the year before, the year before last year, and then this year. I get it. He hasn't shown you a lot. I think he has four points in like 30-something NHL games. I get it. He hasn't shown you a lot. The first time he was over here, he was playing with Kevin Rooney. This year, he's played four games, five games to completion where he didn't leave in the middle of the game because he was injured. You need to give him time to learn. I understand that a coach that is fighting for a playoff spot isn't inclined to give somebody an opportunity to figure it out because it is his job on the line if they don't make the playoffs. But at the same time, you are getting nothing from Barkley Goudreau playing on the second line. And I I have to pull this up, okay? I have to pull this up because it's going to visualize just how bad Barkley Goudreau has been on the second line. Okay, so this is Lafreniere, Panarin, Trocek the first month of the season. 153 minutes, 38% exp- above league average, what you would expect with any average replacement level players on offense. You see a lot of the red right around the net mouth. That is good. Then you come over. Okay, maybe you want to say, okay, we need Goudreau on the line with Panarin and Trocek because they're so bad defensively. With Lafreniere, the results say that. They did not play. This was not a good line at defensive deployment. You trade that off because they were creating that much offense. So let's remember, they're at 38% above league average and 25%. Now, with Goudreau, they are 3% below average on offense. And then on defense, they are 50% below average on defense. So adding Goudreau to that second line has done nothing. It has not made them better defensively. It has inhibited their ability to create offense. If he was helping their defensive results, I could maybe swallow a decrease in offense. But to be outright that 50% below league average in the defensive zone with that forward combination and significantly worse offense, there's nothing to be gained by playing Goudreau up there other than Gallant trusts him because he's a Canadian, because he won two Stanley Cups in Tampa. I, I there, there is yeah, no it. tangible there is no tangible reason that Barkley Goudreau should be playing on the second line. We did this last year with Dryden Hunt and Goudreau in the top six. We did this last year. We know that Panarin and last year Strom and this year Trocek, they need somebody who can go get them the puck and get the puck back to them so they can maintain time in the offensive zone. And Goudreau's not good enough to do that anymore. He's not fast enough to be the puck retriever that he was in years past. Remember Remember, he had major ankle surgery. He broke his ankle, came back two weeks later, played on a broken ankle, and then got surgery and missed most of training camp. How bad the recovery process was for that ankle. You are getting nothing from playing Gaudreau there. Now, 
if you put Gaudreau on the fourth line, significantly reduce his workload, I imagine he will be more effective. He won't be playing against good players. That's the other part of this. When you're putting Gaudreau and VZ out there with the first and second line against the other team's top line, that is a mismatch. When you have, there are three parts on a forward line. You've got two wings and a center. If the other team has three better players and the you even if you have two better defensemen, you're just not winning the advantage there. The, this is clear-cut stuff. I know you want to match skill sets. You don't want to just do your best players top to bottom organizing your lines that way because it might not necessarily work. You want to do skill sets. But Gaudreau isn't complementing what Trocek and um, Panera need. And VZ, he's doing fine defensively, but the offense just, you were getting so much better results offensively with Kako, which I'll show in a second here. But it's just maddening that they keep doing this with Gaudreau, with Dryden Hunt. They did this the year before that when Panera got first, first guy here with Jesper Faust. It is maddening that they can't get a high-end player to play on Panarin's wing. Well, they can't because they don't have the cap space. Like if you if you want to go and you get somebody that can play top six minutes, okay, well, you need to create the cap space. Well, maybe don't give Barclay Gujo a lifetime contract because he has rings. Like that to me is one of the most maddening things about all of this is that the Rangers essentially gave this man a lifetime contract because he was on a team that won the Stanley Cup. Not that he like I'm not I'm not saying that Barkley Gujo did zero to help the Lightning win the cup. Like he was one of the he was one of the players on the team. Like he did he did things from time to time and he was like he was an okay kind of tertiary, like complimentary piece to it to yeah. a, a lineup that had lethal offensive capabilities. When you have and at Tampa Bay it was smart enough to not play Barkley Gujo in the top six. Like Barkley Gujo was playing bottom six minutes as a complimentary piece, as someone that could score if 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 put in that position. He wasn't playing the top six with Kucherov. Like this wasn't happening in Tampa Bay. So you take a guy that won cups in the bottom six, give him a lifetime deal, and shove him in the top six. Like yeah, of course he's not going to do well. But the Rangers continue to force him to play there anyway. And that, to me, is is one of the most baffling things about all of this, is that not only are the Rangers deciding, okay, like this is the guy, but you continue to, to play him outside of his comfort zone. Why? Because you paid him too much money, and now you can't afford to get someone that could play in the top six. You gave Jacob Truba a... a a lifetime contract. You gave Barkley Gujo a lifetime contract. You just barely got out of the Ryan Reeves deal. Like you're giving these players that don't deserve this kind of money too much money. And now you have to stretch these players and play them outside their comfort zone because you don't have the money to go and find someone that can. So, and one of the things here is when we're talking about why we're frustrated with Gallant, Hockey coach does not have a huge impact in terms of the actual game management itself. Yeah, he can reconfigure the lines, he can change things up, but game to game, a, base, a, a hockey coach doesn't have as much impact as a baseball manager, as a baseball, as a basketball coach, as a football coach. There's just more input because hockey is such a free-flowing game. Yeah, there's structure in hockey, but it is the least structured of the four major sports. It, it just is. There's too much human element within hockey where the decision-making process is a lot more fluid and hockey than it is in the other sports where it comes down to a player's decision making as opposed to a coach calling a set play yeah there are set plays in hockey but for the most part it is following the play looking for openings and trying to create offense based on what the other team is giving you Gaudreau's biggest contribution is filling out the lineup card and trying to find the right combination of guys that is the biggest contribution and right now the lineup is not working and he is refusing to change anything and you're you're you're, of- for, you're forgetting the most important part about Barclay Goudreau and that is him wearing the two rings that he got and you showing it off in the locker room so that he can talk about those rings that he won and that that's you know how else is, is he going to earn the contract if he doesn't show them off that that's the thing, and I said it at the time when they they traded for him and gave him that contract. They were just trying to buy some legitimacy. They wanted another team's credibility, and they didn't want to have to do the work to get it themselves. They just imported a player, regardless of what he was actually going to be able to do. And that speaks to something I want to touch on at the end, which I did a lot of work on. So this is Kako Kreider's Abinajad, 132 minutes at five on five, 64 percent above average, very good. Dark red, that's good when you're on offense. 
on defense. They were not particularly good. Excuse me. This is offense. Defense is after this. But offense with VZ, it's good. With Kako, it's better by about 10%. That is a noticeable difference. That is something you can say. And when we talk about why I like Kako with Zabinijad and with Kreider, it's the puck retrieval stuff. It's winning the puck battles along the walls. It's keeping the play going in the offensive zone. The kid line together hasn't been that good this year. It, it, the results are not nearly as good as they were last year, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, they're getting a little bit of a little bit snake bitten, and that is frustrating. But the forecheck isn't there. There's just there's too many things right now going wrong with the team to just keep doing what they've been doing, which is what's so frustrating in here. This is the last thing visuals wise. This is just the results, straight up the results of the first line and the second line with Kako and with Lafreniere. The results are better with Kako and Lafreniere than they are with um with Gaudreau and Vizi. They just they flat out are. The only real difference and you'll see it here on this table, the goals for is better without Kako because they're shooting 3% better and they're getting 4% more saves. The goals for results are worse without Lafreniere because they are getting a little bit more saves, but they're not score. The shooting percentage is lower. And that's what I keep talking about when I keep talking about luck and puck luck and getting bounces and what you can do, what you control. They are getting unlucky. That is unquestionably part of this process. The Rangers are underperforming every single website's metrics. They are shooting well below what they shot last year from the field. Last year, they were around 11% at 5-on-5. This year, they're at 7% at 5-on-5. That is a clear-cut difference. That doesn't sound like a lot. That's only about one extra goal per week. But when you're in all of these one-goal games, these overtime games, one goal can be the difference between a win, forcing overtime, and stealing a point. That's the kind of year-to-year math we talk about in one-goal games and why you and I spent the entire summer saying they can't just bank on the same thing happening again. You can't bank on Shesterkin being amazing and the power play being amazing. They ebb and flow. The uh, a hockey team is a living organism. Things change over time, even if you have the exact same people. And the thing about this this whole process as well is that like the Rangers from period to period are a completely different team. We yes. saw it in LA where in that first period, the Rangers were an absolute dumpster fire. The LA Kings skated circles around the Rangers. And then the second period came about and the Rangers woke up and they realized, oh yeah, we're a pro hockey team. And then they just went out and scored three goals and then they just willed their way to winning that game. Okay, strange, sure. Next night you go to Anaheim. John Gibson played out of his mind. Like we, they, the, the Ducks should not have won that game for sure, but John Gibson did his best Henrik Lundqvist impression where his team is is dog water in front of him, but his, he, his heroics prevailed and they won their first regulation game of the season. I'm not mad about it. I'm just disappointed. But like, okay, fine. You get goalied. Things happen. You go to you. You go back home. You play the Oilers. You go up three nothing. We're good. We're chilling. Just play defense. No. The the they they played really well through two periods, and then they just decided, you know what? We're going to break. Uh, we're we're out to lunch, and they got dumpstered. Like this is I. It's it's a very just. M- mind-boggling process of like period to period almost shift to shift you don't know which like which rangers team you're gonna see are you gonna see a team that actually cares about winning or are you gonna see a team that like is is out to lunch like i don't i don't know how to fix that problem if that's gerard galan or if he goes beyond the coaching staff or, or who's involved in that process of making sure the team like knows what time it is and like, Hey, maybe we, we have a, we have a hockey game to play, like care for two and a half hours. Like I don't, I, it's such a strange way. The Rangers have played this, this past week of like, sometimes we care a lot. And then the very next shift, we don't care at all. I don't, I don't know what causes that and how to fix it, but it's a, it's a very noticeable problem. And like, it's, it's a problem that you don't even need to be, super into hockey to, to, to see 
because like we're we're nerds nick and i are, are complete like utter nerds about this game so we you know we we're pulling up all the visuals and the and the analytics and like all we're doing deep dives if you are just a casual fan and you are watching the game and doing nothing else even you can see that this team like for one shift or one period plays really well. And then the very next shift or period where nothing has changed, their, their total outlook on the, on the play is totally different. And I, and I don't know what that, like what the, the, where the, the loose screw is in all of this and how to tighten it up. Like, I'm not sure where it is, but that's kind of on Gerard Gallant and his coaching staff. Like, if at a certain point, this is going on for too long. It's been two months now of this happening. Maybe it's time to fix it. But again, I, I'm not a head coach. I, what's the I know? They are a fragile hockey team. They get very high when they're playing well, where they'll pour it on, they'll dumpster you. And then once they're up there, they're not really worried anymore. They are not particularly worried anymore. They will be happy to coast the rest of their way through. The game against the Ducks from last month sticks out in particular where they got up big in that game and then they just slowly let the Ducks creep back in even though they won. The bad habits have been there. This was a thing last year too where they'd get a big lead, they'd let the other team play back into the game. Everybody remembers game one against Pittsburgh in the playoffs where they got out to that 3 nothing lead in 10 minutes. They blew it. They ended up having to go to overtime. They lost in, I think, triple overtime. Just maddening stuff because that is controllable stuff effort effort consistency those are intangibles and all the rangers spent the last two years telling us was well you can't just quantify everything the intangibles matter the intangibles matter well if the intangibles matter where are they because we haven't seen them this year there is not a clear cut hey the leaders of this team stepped up in this crucial situation they made a play or they galvanized the team we're not seeing any of that. We're seeing a very directionless team where the effort ebbs and flows shift to shift. And it's just, it's not a good look for everybody involved, the players and the coaching staff and the front office that assembled this roster. Cause they really thought what they did last year was going to work again. They didn't really change anything and they're just content to let this ride out and see if it corrects itself or not, because they can't add anybody for at least another couple of months, unless they trade somebody out who's making decent money. The Rangers convinced themselves that they built a team full of intangibles. And the the, the problem with that is you build a, you build a roster on the idea that these things that are in the ether that you cannot yes. measure, that cannot count, you have convinced yourself that the team that you built is full of this ethereal object that may or may not exist that that your that your players are full of apparently yeah. allegedly well where are they where are they because it is november 28th and through two months of the season these intangibles have not existed this is a team that has blown so many leads multiple leads they show up to games and they don't care for a period or two and then they like eventually do but sometimes it's too late for that or what have you like this is a team that like for all the talk about intangibles and how important they are and yada yada okay show them to me because i have i haven't seen them it's almost december and the schedule as we talked about earlier is going to be brutal December is a brutal month for the Rangers and the intangibles weren't there when they were losing to bad teams. So are they just going to magically appear when they start playing the good teams? Cause I, I don't know about that. The last time I would say I felt this kind of energy around the team was Halloween. I, I want to say it was 2018 to the fall of no, yeah, the fall of 2017, excuse me, where they started the season like two and seven. And Larry wrote in the post, if the Rangers lose tonight to Vegas, the Rangers are expected to fire Elaine Vigneault. They won that game. Ultimately, that season didn't end up mattering because they felt they had a bunch of injuries and then they traded all their marquee players away. But that was the last time I could feel this kind of groundswell against the coach. And it's not nearly as bad as that. The record isn't awful. They're only a point out of a playoff spot. But that's the last time, anecdotally at least, I can say I felt this kind of whirlwind around the team. The last thing I want to show before we move on here, this is the team-wide stats. And, and the two biggest ones, 
Cardinals shooting insane. 7.58 and 91.12. Those are both 24th in the league. The Rangers are significantly more talented than 24th in the league, especially in goal. Igor will get better at five on five. Granted, Halak has not been great, especially at five on five, but he only started, I think, five games to this point. So a lot of that is on the Rangers playing a little bit better defense in front of Igor, making his workload a little bit easier, getting a few more saves. The high danger defense is not particularly good. They are struggling at that. They are 18th in high danger chances against. And other than that, all of these under the hood stats are relatively fine. They're firmly middle of the pack. And pretty much every under the hood stat, it's just that they're not making the saves when they need them and they're not getting the goals when they need them. And that's why it feels like this team is struggling so much. They're getting painfully unlucky at the two most important things in hockey, making saves and scoring goals. Well, they also just need to be a better executed team. Like you can, you can say, okay, well, they're, they're not scoring as, as often because they had an extra post when they should have scored or Kako misses a, a wide open net in which he creates an, an, an incredible chance to score and the puck just goes through the goalie's legs and out the other way or he's he's had a few of those where like he will just outright create a play and he has a glorious chance to score and the puck just refuses to go in the net for him and he's he's getting really unlucky with those and once he figures like once he scores one or two of those, I feel like he'll 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 get back on track and like Capo Caco, like you, you if you just read his stat line, it's not pretty. But if you watch how he plays, like he really should have at least like three or four more goals than he than he currently has credit for. Like he's he's been playing very well. The the on top of just being unlucky, because again, this this sport is stupid and silly and strange, like they just have to be more consistent. Like the the idea that this team, like one period, looks like it's a cup contender, and the very next period look like they can't beat the local beer league team, is 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 maddening to me. Like this is the same roster, this is the same coaching staff. Nothing has changed from the final buzzer of period one to the opening puck drop of period two. Nothing has changed. Nothing. So the idea that like. All of a sudden, like this team who played like dog water in the first period, but like now are really good. Well, where was that earlier? Just the, the consistency is the biggest question mark for me. Like they, they, their unluckiness will stop, I would imagine. So you can't be unlucky for an entire season. I hopefully, I mean, fingers like, please, no, please, please. But like y- the, being unlucky isn't going to fix the inconsistency issues that this team currently has. No, it's not. And the thing I'm about to pull up here is just actually, I don't even need to pull it up, but I, what I was doing during the course of the day, one of the things I did show prep for was just how much are the Rangers paying for every goal because they're not scoring a lot and they're pretty close to the cap ceiling and they are spending, I think it's the ninth. Yeah. They're spending the ninth most, of any team in the league for every single goal they score. Now you have exceptions to that where you have the outliers teams like Montreal that are spending to the cap, even though they're not a particularly good team, the flyers spending to the cap, not a particularly good team. A lot of players on injured reserve. That's a consistent thing, but the Rangers have a lot of money tied up on people who don't create offense and aren't particularly good at preventing the other team from creating offense. And that speaks to a lot of the roster issues we're seeing right now, where if the top four guys aren't going that the, the top two lines, and when I say the top four guys, I mean Panarin, Zabinijad, Trocek, and Kreider, uh, uh, top four guys in terms of salary. When they're not going, we're not getting offense from the kids, even though they're playing well, and that is frustrating. And at some point, they are going to have to figure it out, or there's going to be a real issue here. But when you are spending all of this money on offense, and you're not getting any of it f- at five on five, and you're reducing the ga- the outcome of your game to special teams and your goaltending, it's really hard it is really hard to rely on a couple of instances a game most of hockey is played at five on five most teams most teams will play about i think it's 70 percent of the game at five on five it's a lot to ask to rely 
to get 70% of the game to be a net neutral. If even if it's zero, zero say it is really hard just to do that alone. And then to say, okay, we're not going to concede anything on the penalty kill. And we're going to score every time we get a power play. And by the way, our goalie is going to make 92, 93% of all the saves. That's just not a very sustainable formula right now. And it, when you break it down like this and you reduce it to just the simple calculus, they're not scoring enough. They're not saving enough. How can we fix that? You can optimize the lines a little bit. You can probably play a little bit better of team defense and make the goalie's workload a little bit easier. But there's no obvious jumping out uh, other than maybe if you want to say you get Kraftsov in. That's not even a guaranteed solution. It's just changing up what's not working at the moment. Not to harp on Jacob Truba, but I guess for, for another second I will. Braden Schneider is making less than one-eighth of what Correct. Jacob Truba is making. And he is providing more impact on both ends of the ice right now than the $8 million man. And again, he is injured. Don't play. First of all, yeah. Gerard Gallant, Chidouin, stop playing. Guy is injured. Please t- give him 10 days. Give him two weeks. Put in. Get, how about you just play Matthew Robertson now? Give him two weeks of just getting acclimated to the NHL if Jacob Truba is as injured as the reports are suggesting. Get him in there. He can't possibly be worse than somebody who is playing tough four minutes injured. Is Matt Robertson really that much worse? A healthy guy on the blue line, is he going to be that much worse than someone who is clearly playing labored and is not really paying attention to what he's doing on the ice? Like, Matt Robertson can't be that much worse. Like, at least try. At least That's the try. biggest thing. Try. Like, at least just put him out there for a game two games just see what he's like put him out there jacob truba is like injured he's also getting paid a lot like for his his contract aside he's not playing well and he's injured just sit him play robertson for like two games see how he is and if he's that bad then i guess you you rush jacob truba back or i don't know you trade for a seventh defenseman or do something like to just fill the hole for a while but like dude just try I don't, what is Gerard Gallant's, like, why is he insisting on keeping things the same exact way when his way is currently not working? Why? Baffles me. It's frustrating. That's the biggest thing. There is no clear-cut solution, and the solutions that people are offering just aren't even being considered. He's very stubborn in that he doesn't want to break up 20 and 93, and he doesn't want to break up 16 and 10. I would, at this point, be very content with some combination. I want to see the kids back in the top six. I want to see Gaudreau and VZ in the bottom six. I'd rather sink or swim with the kids. They came into this year with that being the mindset that the kids are going to have to make a leap. It's really hard for them to make a leap when they're only playing 13 minutes a game. And anytime they make a mistake, they get an earful and they can't get opportunities to play with higher skilled players. It sucks. Right now, it's very frustrating. Let's do three stars. We'll talk about the game against the Devils real quick and we'll get everybody out of here in time to watch the game against the Devils. Andrew, I went first last week. The floor is yours. All right, so my three stars are Brain Schneider, uh, Pavel Buchnevich, uh, and Barry Trotz. And yes. I pick Barry Trotz because he's a nice guy, and why not give him a star? He's he's on the sidelines, and you know, just just give him a star for for being available because you never know. And uh, will the Rangers make a coaching shift now? I mean. If they keep losing, they might, but I don't think so. I don't think a coaching change is on the horizon unless the Rangers continue to lose and lose and lose and lose. Then maybe they'll consider somebody else. I don't think that's an option right now, but Paratrots gets a star because he's there, he's available, and you know he's he's, he's an option. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, because he's doing things in St. Louis, unlike Sammy Blay in New York. Like He's uh, the Saturday he's game. He's a point per game. He's the 50, Saturday 50 game, points, 15 games. Yeah, he's played I very mean, well. The the Saturday game against the Oilers aside, in which Sammy Blay like actually did something positive in, like he was he had a good game against the Oilers. Like Sammy Blay has done a whole lot of nothing in in New York, and Pavel Buchnevich has continued to do good things in St. Louis. So he gets a star for that, and Brain Schneider because he's actually scoring goals and is 
the the quarterback that the Rangers were hoping Jacob Truba was, and they call Brandon Schneider Baby Truba. Well, he's out playing Truba right now, and he's making less than an eighth of his contract, so he gets a star. Yeah, my three, very straightforward. Uh, Ryan Reeves, thank you for the cap space. We appreciate your contribution. Thank you for your service. We need that very badly. I hope you have a great time in Minnesota. Glenn Sather, for being the reason Chris Drury is the GM and president of hockey operations. Um, this was Sather's handpicked replacement. Everything still kind of goes through Glenn Sather, unfortunately, even though Glenn Sather might be older than Jesus himself. But <laughs> results are still pending on the latest round That's of carbon right. testing. And I have Julian Gauthier just because he's playing well enough to not get out of the lineup. And for somebody who requested a trade last year because he spent the entire year in Hartford, Connecticut, God bless his soul for living in Hartford, Connecticut that long. To stay at the NHL level has got to feel pretty good for him. So good for Julian Gauthier. All right, real quick. You were saying before we got on that you expect the Devils to dumpster the Rangers. I don't think they're going to dumpster them, but I don't expect the Rangers to win this game. Uh, they're just not playing particularly well right now, and the Devils are rolling. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of memeing when I said that, but at okay. the same time, like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens considering how poorly the Rangers have played recently and how well the Devils have looked the entire season, really. Like, I, yeah. I, I was expecting the Devils to be better. I wasn't expecting to be this good so early into the season. Like, they've just been absolutely tr just demolishing everybody that's that stood in their way. And the thing about the the season is that it's eight, it's eighty two games, and it's a lot better to to start steamrolling in April than in October, as the LA Kings in twenty twelve will tell you. So, I, I wouldn't put like all of this. You know, like if a team gets too hot too early, they have a tendency to cool off later on yes. in the season. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not pegging the the devils as the cup champions yet because again like we're we're not even in december yet so i want to see how they play in february and in march and even in like even come playoffs like it, this is the uh, hockey is as we've talked about is a weird and silly and strange and stupid sport like that's the, why the, the rangers are going to win tonight uh, uh, dude. i mean that'd be great for us because we could stop yelling for for a change. Like we could stop arguing about why the Rangers are bad. Like we could talk about the Rangers are good. That'd be great. That's the thing. I, I keep getting people who in the replies being like, "You want the Rangers to lose?" No, I don't. I would like to talk about no. the team playing well. I would very much like to talk about the team playing well. If show. I could stop talking about Jacob Truba's contract, that would be that. Yes. I, that would be blessed. I don't want to talk about his contract. I don't care. No. Like, we talk about his contract because he's bad. He's also yes. injured, and he's still playing. Jargalant, why? Dude, figure it out. But, like, I don't want to talk about that contract. I I, I want Jacob Schubert to score 30 goals so that I can that never talk about it. his contract again. But we have to because he stinks. All right, that'll just about do it for the show this week. We were live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on YouTube. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel on YouTube. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those are our main two, but we're on all the major podcasting platforms. If you could be so kind to leave the show a five-star review, leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, that would be terrific. If you want to follow the personal handles, um, I'm at Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Andrew is Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y. Andrew on Twitter. Make sure you're following the show's Twitter at Liberty Boo Cloud on Twitter on Instagram. We will see you guys next week. Uh, hope the Rangers beat the Devils, please. Fingers crossed. Later.